The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to The Views Room, a weekly podcast brought to you by Reuters Breaking Views. I'm Rob Cox, the editor of Breaking Views, coming to you from Zurich, Switzerland. Well, with the U.S. presidential race heading into the final stretch, we're proud to release the latest version of our economic dream team machine. This tool allows you to help pick a cabinet of economic all-stars for the two candidates duking it out for the U.S. presidency, Joe Biden or Donald Trump. This is the third iteration of the interactive game, which we first launched back in 2012. I spoke to Gina Chan, our columnist in the States, who led this year's revamp, our graphics supremo, Vincent Flasseur, and our U.S. editor, John Foley, to discuss how it works, and most importantly, who we would pick to run the world's biggest economy. Give a listen. Okay, guys, it's that time every four years when we unleash the economic dream team machine. This is the interactive graphic slash game, which allows you, dear reader, to figure out who can help fix the American economy. It allows you to pick a whole bunch of positions, cabinet and otherwise, for the new president, whether it's Joe Biden, the Democrat, or whether it's Donald Trump, the Republican. Uh, Gina Chan, you have been the master of ceremonies for this year's Economic Dream Team machine, along with Vincent Flasseur, who's with us on the line as well, and John Foley, our US editor. But let me start with you, Gina. Okay, what was the challenge? You know, this is a quadrennial exercise. We did it in 2012, we did it in 2016, and you were very involved in that. Um, How hard was it this time around to come up with names uh, for these extraordinary positions like Treasury Secretary, National Economic Council Director, Federal Reserve Chair, et cetera? Well, this time around, the two candidates had sort of opposite problems. With Donald Trump, given how many people he has cycled through in his first term, he's already on his fourth chief of staff. We've seen a lot of people uh, come and go at various levels throughout pretty much every department in the government. Um, It was hard to find people who were still left who could uh, work for him and and were qualified to be in government. Uh, Whereas Joe Biden, because of the decades he has spent in government um, and all the people that he has surrounded himself with during those years, it was almost Uh, the opposite problem where you had to cull his list and sort of narrow it down um, to uh, a circle of folks who could help him out and um, and not get too overwhelmed by all all the numbers of people who could fill those spots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm just reading the Bob Woodward book, the second one about the Trump regime. And like anyone, I've read these these books. Um, you, You it's amazing to me how difficult a boss Donald Trump has turned out to be. Now, I guess that wouldn't be that hard to figure out if you'd watched The Apprentice over the 10 years <laughs> before he became president. But I mean, it does raise this question, and you write about this in your story that accompanies the graphic, you know, that, that Biden essentially has the edge. And it's, I mean, you also, you don't just have all those never Trumpers and those good old fashioned Republicans. You also have, you know, as you say, what, 38 years or how many years was Joe Biden a senator or in Congress? So you've got this, you've got this, you, you've got this power also to grab from the Republican side that I think you don't have with Donald Trump, even though in the first, in, in the first, you know, the first uh, Trump hundred days, he had Gary Cohn, who was clearly a Democrat, and a few others. No. 
Yeah, that is uh, another problem that Trump has. I mean, you could see, you know, maybe some of the Wall Street Democrats um, join Trump if if he asked nicely enough, and it was a pretty uh, high profile position, like Treasury Secretary. But it's hard to see crossovers for him. He's he's such a polarizing figure. Whereas Biden has been. Um, trying to be much more of a centrist, even as his own party is pulling him towards the left. He had numerous Republicans actually speak at the Democratic convention for his nomination. So you saw people like uh, Meg Whitman, who herself ran as a Republican in the past. Um, You had uh, people like John Kasich, the former Ohio governor, also come out in support of Biden. So for him, you could actually see some Republicans joining his administration. For Trump, maybe not so much. Yeah, so quick, I want us to go through some of the names. And John, um, I want you to spend, well, while I, I'm gonna have Vincent talk a little bit about the graphic itself. I want you, John, to figure out what your team looks like, and Republican, Democrat, you too, Gina. I've, I've created my team, but before we get to that, Vincent, maybe talk a little bit about um, how the graphic works really briefly, like what, what what are the sort of, you know, the key features of it? Yeah, so when you open like the uh, Economic Dream Team machine, you are presented with uh, two lists of candidates, um, Democrats and Republicans, left and right. And it's really a question of uh, scrolling down the candidates, checking their bios, checking their scores, and then just, you know, drag and drop in the different uh, positions, Treasury Secretary, Fed, uh, Fed chair, etc. And uh, once you've completed everything, you get a total score and you get a winner. And you and and as you say, you draft you you can put your the, the cursor over the name, which you see Democrats on the left, Republicans right, and you can scroll because there are quite a few names. What you see come up is a box which shows the current. Uh, so I'll give you an example. David Malpass, and it pops up. It shows he's president of the World Bank, what he did before, how he was undersecretary of international affairs of the Treasury. Blah, blah, blah. And then we have scores. And Gina, maybe elaborate a little bit on the scoring, which is, of course, you know, relatively subjective. I mean, it was a committee uh, that included you and me and a few others. Um, And um, we tried to be quite objective, making sure that we gave people the same scores for similar similar experience or academic achievement. But maybe go through the what, you know, how you looked at it and what those what those categories mean. Sure. So we uh, ranked people based on six different categories and uh, five of them we've had in 2016 as well. But we also try to keep current with um, what's sort of on top of people's minds uh, in an election year. So uh, the sixth one that we added, the ESG factor, um, is sort of representative of sort of the woke uh, capitalism that uh, corporate America seems to be experiencing and ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. So let's go uh, through, you have budgeting is your first point and that's sort yeah. of like, do you know how to, what, how does that, exp- how do you explain budgeting? How to, you know, figure out uh, the, you know, costs and expenses of your organization. If you're, you know, a CEO, a CFO, um, running a big company, a big organization, or you have experience doing that in Congress with the U.S. government budget uh, or in the government itself, um, we scored you fairly high. 
Okay, and then finance markets, that's relatively, so So a CEO would do well with budgeting because they run a P&L, basically. Yes, exactly, yeah. And a finance markets, it's, you know, we're looking at people like hedge fund managers that we've got in there, you have a few, right? Yeah, John exactly, Halston, and, and bankers, Wall Street guys, um, you know, even if uh, they don't do well in maybe other categories, we do acknowledge that they have experience and knowledge on that front. Right, so I see Greg Fleming, uh, you've mm -hmm. got him at uh, two budgeting, but you have him at four for finance and markets because he ran, you know, basically ran Merrill Lynch for a period of time. And then you have um, after that, you have job creation. So how does that work? Yeah. So if you are also, again, um, head of a big company um, which grew over time or you founded a company, which there are several uh, people who fit that bill as well, um, you got pretty high marks for job creation. Um, if you were an academic, which a lot of people are on the Democratic side, um, it, it didn't help you as much because maybe it's something you've written about a lot, but perhaps not have as much mm -hmm. practical impact. So we try to take all of those things into consideration to be fair for you know people who, uh, especially on the Republican side, may um, have done better on that front just because of uh, the companies they ran. And then you have legislative, so that's pretty straightforward. That's have you actually dealt with Congress? Have you put bills together? If you, and so people like a, a senator or a former senator will do well on that. Score. Yes, exactly. And in, in the private sector, if you've um, helped push uh, bills or certain issues, if you've testified a lot before Congress, if you're sort of known um, to that group of people, then uh, then you also got decent marks on that front. Right. And then international, basically people who have, you know, some sort of global remit. So the C. So let's say, I mean, do we have Jamie Diamond on the list? For yes, instance? we do. So Jamie, we gave him a four in budgeting, a five in finance markets, a four in job creation, legislative low one. And then international. <laughs> well, of course, I mean, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't, you know, He's, had, he's influenced legislation, but he hasn't put it together. International, we gave him a four because he runs the biggest you know, U.S. bank with global reach. And then you and then finally, your last one, which you explained, was the ESG factor. The sort of what last time, didn't we call it the ick factor? Yeah, last time in 2016, we had the one percent ick factor because <laughs> which you could actually then for that one get uh, it could be a minus. So you could get points subtracted from your total um, because there was so much focus on, uh, especially with Hillary as a, the other uh, candidate, Hillary Clinton on the Democratic side, um, so much focus on sort of inequality and, and Wall Street and, you know, who's for the little guy. Um, we thought that that was an appropriate one for that year. All right. Okay. Now let's get to our picks. Should we do that? Should we go through it? Sure. What about you, Should, John? I'm going to make you start first. Let's. Why don't you tell us who you chose on the on the Biden side, and then and then tell us who you got on the Trump side, and then give us your score. Well, so I am. Um, I decided to just as this is a thought experiment and will have no actual influence on the outcome. I thought I'd just try and break it a bit. So what I've done is I've created the most Wall Street um, lineup for Trump <laughs> that I could possibly think of. I'm just I'm looking right now at a whole load of kind of bald heads, white faces sort of wisps of white hair. Um, and then for Biden, I, I tried to do the opposite of that. So I've gone for, you know, progressives, um, people who really will kind of, you know, um, basically make Republicans 
very very angry um so for the actually for the trump side i mean it, there are a lot of kind of big finance names in that list that i thought could be quite entertaining um so for example i think nelson peltz would be um a fantastic secretary of commerce um you know he knows how business works uh he's got decades of experience and then to kind of counterbalance him a bit his um his kind of wall street peer slash rival carl icon i thought would be a good trade representative because he you know he knows how to break some eggs um speak his mind oh um, my god could you imagine throwing you imagine? him in a room with you know chinese like trade not what can, i mean that that would be <laughs> that would be kind of hard to fathom exactly so if yours be, is um, definitely fantasy then this is totally 100%, 100%, 100% fantasy yeah, okay. like and also in a nod to fantasy like because you always are going to have someone who is as you know as we had gary Cohn, who was a democrat who decided it would be better to be in the tent i feel like trump's next equivalent to that might be jamie Dimon as treasury secretary um because he may feel that he can do more good uh in a republican government than he might in a democrat government even though we assume that he is a democrat um, and then also in there, I've kind of got I've I've got Kravis and Schwartzman, um, and um, I decided to put um, blank, <laughs> Lloyd Blankfein, who of course was once Gary Cohn's boss in his old job, which is um, National Economic Council. As National Economic Council, yeah. So, wait, so who's a, your Fed chair? So this is a difficult one. I like I, I'm thinking maybe Steve Cohen. The wait, the hedge fund guy who the SEC <laughs> banned yeah. from. Managing yeah. people's money. Right, you are, you've the gone list. off the deep end. <laughs> and like Jamie, I think he would need Trump? a waiver or something given his record. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Strange things have happened. I guess look, um, you could you could say you know you know people who have you know, it is kind of in it is coherent with the Trump brand, shall we say, to have right to shake yeah. things up. And you know what? I get quite a high score at the end of it. I got 126 points for those guys, and they are all guys. Just playing for this aren't you and what about the biden side what what did you have for go down the list i mean what so the biden side is it's like what, what i noticed about the biden list is that we've got a lot of ideas based people here which obviously is not true on the republican side you've got a lot of status quo kind of financy types people who we kind of aren't really going to change change uh, um, the social order but on the biden side you've got you know lots of kind of firebrands and and and, and very original thinkers um which kind of makes things a bit easier so um i'm thinking elizabeth warren um, as the treasury secretary um Andrew Yang, uh, who obviously was at one point a Democratic nominee, super smart guy, very analytical. Um, I thought maybe uh, he would be a good um, director of the uh, National Economic Council. Um, or alternative chair of the CEA, which is maybe a bit more researchy. That's like economists, right, usually? Yeah. And I guess obviously Tyler Goodspeed is a hard act to follow, but I think Yang could maybe do that. Um, my wild card for the Democrats is um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez because she literally is a wild card, but also uh, <laughs> super smart. Um, Mary Daly as the Federal Reserve Chair, I think she is fantastic. Um, the San Francisco um, head of the Fed, um, kind of high school dropout, really kind of engaged in this question of whether monetary policy is helping people. Also the first, the first Fed president who is openly uh, LGBTQ, right? Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. Um, which can only be a good thing. We've got, I picked Howard Schultz as the um, Secretary of Commerce. Uh, although he could also be US Trade Representative, I guess. But um, kind of a fairly safe pair of hands there. And I'm also trying to work out where to put Andrew Cuomo, just because 
I think that would be just a brilliant way of throwing the cat among the pigeons. But I don't know well, what I've got he, left. He, yeah, he, he emerged as sort of a kick-ass governor during the, the corona crisis, didn't he? Yeah, so he gets he gets He has a national done. recognition. Okay, Gina. Oh, so wait, so we, what, what was your score for Biden? I mean, the, yeah, it's not as good. It's 109. 109. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. What did you have, Gina? Tell us your your. Uh... So uh, for Trump, uh, for Treasury Secretary, given his love of Goldman Sachs executives, um, I have Floyd Blankfein, uh, who is um, more of a Democratic supporter, but as you mentioned about Gary Cohen, could definitely be a crossover. Um, Trump also loves TV personalities, so I have uh, Lou Dobbs from Fox News as his National <laughs> Economic Council director, which oh, I am we told are in so is, much trouble. We well, are so I am told much that trouble. is a possibility. <laughs> so, um, who knows? Uh, stranger things have happened. Um, for Fed chair, well, he does have, have a TV guy now in that job, which is Larry Kudlow. But he, but Larry was yeah. an economist for him. I don't think. And he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't out there, you know, uh, kind of arguing for conspiracy theory stuff, which which I've definitely seen from Lou Dobbs. Yeah, no, that so he would, but you know, Trump himself likes to peddle a lot in conspiracy theory, so there'll be two peas in a pod. Um, for Federal Reserve Chair, uh, if you notice um, Gary Cohen's remarks about Trump uh, since he left, he's been very careful not to uh, be too critical of the president. And I think that um, possibly leaves him in an opening to be a uh, Fed chair, um, which is a position he had coveted um, before, before he left uh, government, I think, in 2018. Um, for Secretary of Commerce, I put uh, Peter Thiel in his... Um, Silicon Valley buddy, um, libertarian who has a lot of views about uh, China and other things that could see him sort of shaking things up in that job. Um, putting a lot of Chinese companies on the export blacklist. Uh, for chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, I have Judy Shelton because uh, huh. she is Because she probably, couldn't get, she can't get confirmed by the well, Senate. Ex exactly. Yeah, so. She can't. She may not get Senate confirmation for the Fed governor post, so uh, Trump could just plop her in as a chair of the Council of Economic Advisors. And then uh, for U.S. Trade Rep, I have um, Peter Navarro, since he is uh, loves <laughs> busting up trade deals and, and saying how terrible they are. Um, he would be sort of very fitting to me um, in that post. So... I'm seeing a pattern uh, of like trade representative being like the street fighter. Job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, for for that uh, roster, um, I get to 86 on the Wait, Trump side. Who is side. your wild card? Yeah. Oh, so th for that one, um, I was trying to figure out who uh, who I wanted to pick in there. Let's see. Um, uh, you could put in uh, someone like. Jenny Rometty, because um, I think he also needs some more women <laughs> in his um, level of senior posts. And she's actually very close to Ivanka. They've done a lot of work on um, sort of worker training, um, apprenticeships, and that sort of thing. So uh, she, since she has retired from IBM, I could see um, her having some sort of like worker czar post, um, which would also be sort of Trump-esque. Um, 
for the uh, for the Biden. What was your side, team Trump? What was your number? Oh, I got one oh six. Okay. So that seems like it's not that's not as bad as I thought it would be. So for what that's worth, I think Lou Dobbs brought the numbers down. <laughs> yeah, he might have. Um, for uh, the Biden side, I have for Treasury Secretary Elizabeth Warren, um, assuming that they don't need her uh, Massachusetts Senate seat to get the majority in the Senate. Um, for National Economic Council Director, I have uh, Larry Fink of BlackRock, um, because he probably uh, will have a hard time getting any sort of Senate confirmation post because the Democrats on the progressive side have sort of a purity test, if you will, uh, for anyone with a Wall Street background. So I think he, he may have a hard time, um, but he's close to the Biden folks and has had uh, some fundraisers. So I could see that. Um, for Federal Reserve Chair, I picked uh, Roger Ferguson, um, who was on the board in the past um, and would be the first um, Black Fed chair. Uh, so I think the Biden folks, not only is he qualified, but they also want to have sort of a diverse um, level of senior positions. Um, for Secretary of Commerce, I picked Andrew Yang, his former rival um, in the primary, and someone who's really been able to talk about universal basic income and changes in technology that have um, shaken up workers in a way that people seem to really get. Um, so for Chair of Council of Economic Advisors, I actually went serious and um, picked Heather Bushi, who is um, sort of in the think tank world, but is uh, seen as a sort of a very um, serious thinker about sort of inequality and um, and economic justice issues and think she could um, do a lot there on that front. Uh, for U.S. trade rep, um, John, to your point about Howard Schultz, I chose him um, given his international experience and he is more of sort of a centrist outlook on on trade views, which is actually not part of sort of the Democratic Party views, but is more along the lines of Trump's views. Um, and then for the wild card, I picked um, AOC, uh, maybe for some sort of like technology uh, star or something that shows sort of the future of the party. Um, and the uh, and to get sort of young Democrats um, much more involved because someone like Biden is just not going to get their juices going. And so yeah. for that team, I got uh, 121 compared to okay. Trump at 106. All right. I think I might have the best score <laughs> based on what I'm hearing. Uh, well, John, what was your team Biden number? It was a hundred and you know I, I've now shuffled them all around again to a couple of units, but I think I think I was on like 109. Okay, I have got to 128, Ooh. and I've got four women and three men, and including one uh, black American. So I I think that the way Biden will do it is there's you know there's going to be huge pressure on him to make sure he has great diversity, you know, gender yes. diversity in in his cabinet. Um, you know, full of, pull a full Justin Trudeau and do like half or more. And of course, racial diversity. So I've chosen and I've OK, unlike I did not go full fantasy as, as John <laughs> did and, and you did partly. I went what I think is actually going to happen based on 
some of my thinking and some of the reporting I've done. So here's what I've got. For Treasury Secretary, Lael Brainerd, I think she is, um, I think she's a shoo-in because she's the, I think the Elizabeth Warren thing won't work. She's just, she's, she's just not, I don't know if she'd get confirmed by the Senate. I also don't know if I really, who knows, but I doubt that uh, they're gonna have, the Democrats are gonna have a surfeit of seats in the Senate. And therefore they're just gonna have to keep her there because Charlie Baker, the Massachusetts governor, as you mentioned in your piece, is a Republican and he gets to choose her replacement. So I, I just don't see that. Um, I think uh, Ken Frazier, the CEO of Merck, as the economic council director, again, I don't, he'd have no problem getting confirmed. If it, this is not a confirm, you don't need to confirm this position, but you know, he's not, he's the kind of guy who actually understands business, understands some of the great issues that uh, companies are going through. He's running a major organization. I think I took a different view on the Fed chair. I actually think Biden will reconfirm Jerry, J Jerome Powell in, in, and I don't think by the way that Trump will. Um, and I think, I think Jay Powell is basically doing exactly what any democratic president would want him to do, pumping tons of money into the economy. Um, on, and he's already been confirmed, so you don't have to have a fight over it. Uh, I think Secretary of Commerce, I actually chose Meg Whitman because she's both a little bit out of work. She was one of those persons who crossed over, you know, came out, had been running for governor of California as a Republican, came out in, against Donald Trump. Um, and, you know, she's she gets tech and, you know, to have a sort of an interest, that's an interesting uh, kind of person to have, you know, arguing for the interests of American tech companies, which are uh, being assailed everywhere around the world. So I thought that would be interesting. My chair of e Council of Economic Advisors, which I think is always like a real kind of, I don't want to say nerd, but like a, it is a dismal scientist generally. <laughs> and uh, I chose I chose Karen uh, Dynan who mm -hmm. I've heard very good, sound like Trump there, I've heard good things about her, but um, <laughs> I have heard, I've heard like people who've worked with her, including Republicans who sing her praises. And uh, you know, she is uh, an economics professor at Harvard. She worked as uh, assistant secretary of economic policy at the treasury. Um, she scores high in many respects. Um, so I could see that. I, I thought for trade rep, I would put Indra Nooyi, the former president, or sorry, CEO of PepsiCo. Hey. I think mm -hmm. she could be, uh, yeah, I think she could be quite, um, I think she'd be quite interesting. She's Indian born, so she understands, uh, you know, sort of the world. Um, she's a, I'd assume she's a pretty good negotiator. Um, and then I, at the the wild card, okay, I'm changing my mind a little bit at the moment we speak. I put Andrew Yang as, with the idea of him being labor secretary, because the guy has this vision about the future of work and how technology and automation is going to basically destroy all work in the world. Um, and he also has this view about the universal basic income. I thought, and he's, you know, he's quite a, he really had, he's, I don't know, I knew nothing about this guy until, until the, the whole thing came along, until the primaries, and I thought he was really impressive. So that's why I put him in there. But I've been thinking again, another idea as we talked. And I was thinking, why not put Michael Bloomberg in? and mm. suggest that Michael Bloomberg becomes the head of the World Bank because it needs mm. complete and total reform. Uh, and he do, he's not the kind of guy who's gonna be a cabinet reporting to a president. You know, he's just not a kind of, but if you said to Mike, 
go in, fix this thing, make the World Bank a more effective institution around the world. Um, and the US does get to choose the World Bank president. So I just went from having, actually, so let's say I get rid of Andrew Yang, I put Bloomberg in as World Bank president, I get to 137. Boom. Wow. That's big. That's a big number. Right? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Is. Okay. Now, and I think it's realistic. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. Now, on the Team Trump, I think to all your points, both you guys made the right points. I think the real problem is no one new and really good is going to go work for him. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it. I don't see. And I've talked to people on this list and said, "Would you go if the president called?" Four years ago, they would be like, "Yes, if the president calls, of course I would." Now they're like, "Not NFW was what one person told me." <laughs> so I, so I chose. I, so to Treasury, I said, "Well, Justin Musinich, who's the deputy <laughs> secretary of Treasury, who's quite competent, I think he takes the job potentially. I mean, even though he's commuting back and forth to Washington from New York with his family and all that stuff, you, you know, I think I think it's possible he would do it. And and, I, and he's you know he's kind of comp- he's quite competent." Um, Mnuchin, who, you know, loves being close to power, if it looks like, um, I think he goes into the White House directly and becomes the National Economic Council director, even though that was, he might view that as a less prestigious job. It is, you know, he goes in there, he, he basically runs the entire show um, for, for economics and business. Then for Fed chairs, I told you, I don't think Jay Powell gets reconfirmed, but I think then he goes and brings Kevin Warsh in who mm. was number two. Um, and it's the, and, and I don't, you know, again, would Kevin Warsh go and do the job? Uh, I don't know, but the good thing about the Federal Reserve, it is independent. So you take a lot of grief on Twitter, but you're pretty much an institution that's protected. So someone like, so I think it's one, I think it's actually the, the business, the, the, the position here where you could get good talented people, unlike some of the others. Secretary of Commerce, I put Jeff Sprecher, the guy who runs the um, Continental Exchange, um, ICE, Intercontinental Exchange, is that what it's called? Intercontinental, yeah. And I put him in there. Uh, His wife is a North Carolina uh, senator, I believe, had a little bit of problems with insider trading, but um, I think he could be, that's the kind of person that Trump would like, and I think he'd probably do it, right? I think it's realistic. The Chair of Council of Economic Advisors, I put John Taylor, our old you know, friend who's been out there forever. And it is more of an academic role. You write papers. Nobody writes papers like John Taylor, who's at Stanford. <laughs> I put your boy Peter Navarro on there as U.S. <laughs> trade representative. Um, I think he is, uh, I think, you know, why not? He's running the trade agenda anyway, right, in from the White House. And then for the wild card, I put a woman because <laughs> What's wilder than putting a woman in your cabinet <laughs> if you're Donald Trump? He doesn't, he has what, one or two now. And I put Ginny Romney, who is mm-hmm. the person you mentioned too, because I, I mean, she's, she's well, she's retired. She gets tech. I don't know what the role would be. Maybe it's like labor, something like that. You know, some, some job where she can think about the future of automation and how that'll affect work. And so that, and with that, I came up with 119. Okay, wow, yeah, I think you got, Pretty high scores on both sides. Hmm. I guess. I guess. But you know, I don't know if any of this is um, realistic. Who knows? Um, but so this is fun, right? Didn't you guys <laughs> have fun playing this? Yeah. No. And it's fun to hear um, other people's picks and why uh, why you picked them. Yeah. I, John's I mean, was the most hilarious. Yeah. You have, Total you fantasy. Have, yeah, you have, yeah. You have pure fantasy, which is like full on 
you know, Hall of Justice, you know, whatever it is, Justice, you know, you've chosen like Wonder Woman and Superman. Right. Um, put them on there. And uh, and it is kind of fun to do that. You could just try to figure out what the, how to get the highest score. But then there's like the highest score that's realistic. And, and then you could do... But then one of the match. problems here is that like, for a lot of the people on the Republican side, this, these jobs would be a step down, certainly financially a step down. And then, yeah. uh, but for all the people on the Biden side, these jobs would be kind of a promotion, right? Um, so you've got, there's a real skew in terms of whether people would want to do these jobs even if offered them. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, okay, on that note, I hope everybody gets to play with this. Let's, you know, everyone out there should, should figure out. And if anyone can beat our scores, they should tweet it. <laughs> And let us know. Remember, Team Biden. I think I won on 137. Did what did you have? 126, didn't you, John? For your words, yeah. you, Gina, on Team Trump. Numbers to beat. Uh, okay. Well, Gina, thank you. Thank you all for for all your hard work on this. It's a really fantastic uh, game and uh, pretty exciting as we go. Column. What? Only a few more weeks until the election. Uh, John, thanks for that. And Vincent. Um, you know, uh, merci for all your hard work on this. This is uh, it's been a really great, uh, great four year tradition. And, and I think it gets better every time. Good luck, everyone. That's our show for this week. Thanks to my guests and hats off to our producers, Freddie Joyner and Amanda Gomez in New York. Our final thanks go to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go to get your podcast fixes. And check us out every day on BreakingViews.com. Also, don't forget to tune in next week for another edition of The Views Room. Abidasen, and stay healthy.